and 2000 UTC. Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. And happy Friday. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 5th edition of the sunny side of sports. The top tier football leagues are kicking off on this Friday in England. France and Germany in England. Crystal Palace will host Arsenal in the opening Premier League match. In France, Lyon is at home against Ajaccio. And in Germany, the reigning UEFA Europa League title holder, Eintracht Frankfurt, will host Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga champions the past 10 seasons. Meanwhile, Spain's top flight league, La Liga, will begin next week. One of La Liga's high-profile transfers is defender Antonio Rudiger, who has family ties to Sierra Leone and who plays at the international level for Germany. During the offseason, Rudiger moved from Chelsea to Real Madrid, winners of a record 14 European titles, as well as a record 35 La Liga trophies. Joining us now with more on Rudiger's move to Madrid is VOA's Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Back in June, 29-year-old Antonio Rudiger confirmed he signed a long-awaited four-year deal with Real Madrid. During the official presentation on the club's training ground, Rudiger told reporters the La Liga champions are all about winning. This is what they demonstrate uh, over the past years very often, especially like uh, we all dream about winning a Champions League. And uh, yes, like with a lot of doubts, like doubts from outside coming into like, but still, they they did the job last year, and uh, it's impressive. Rudiger's agent and brother has said Real Madrid had been in pursuit of a deal since 2016, but the defender was still with Premier League club Chelsea when they were eliminated by Real in the Champions League quarterfinals last year. And Rudiger says at the time, any thought that he would one day play for the Spanish club had not entered his mind. By that time, nothing was clear. So that's why. And, uh, and even if there would be something, would have been clear. But it was going in the direction. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to be professional. And uh, my target was to eliminate Real Madrid. And uh, we tried our best and uh, it didn't go our way. But uh, it, was, it was easy to focus on that game. Initial talks between Rudiger and Real Madrid took place early last season, and the club's interest was reignited when Chelsea faced Real in this year's Champions League quarterfinals. Real Madrid's remarkable performance during the last two Champions League seasons helped Rudiger make his decision, and he admits he celebrated their 1-0 victory over Liverpool to clinch this year's Champions League title. The final, like, I knew that I was uh, going to be uh, a Real Madrid player. 
So I was rooting for them. I was very happy that they won. Um, because I lost uh, with my former team two finals uh, against Liverpool. So I was very, very happy that Real Madrid beat them. And uh, so and uh, we can compete next year for another two beautiful trophies. Antonio Rudiger was born in Berlin to a German father and a Sierra Leonean mother and has played 50 times for Germany since he made his football debut in 2014. He spent the last five seasons as a key player for Chelsea and won the Champions League title with the club in 2021. He's regarded as one of the most highly rated defenders in Europe and ends his career as a Chelsea player with 203 appearances and 12 goals across all competitions. Real Madrid rivals Barcelona also expressed interest in signing the star defender, but Rudiger says it was Real or nothing, and he's ready for the challenge of joining the La Liga and European champions. Real Madrid is stacked with... Uh with uh, very, very good players, especially on also as well on my uh, position. But uh, I am I am going confident. I'm looking confident uh, going into this. And uh, I think uh, what I what do I bring uh, is uh, competition, which is uh, healthy, which is healthy for everyone. So and that keeps everyone going. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Rudiger will wear the number 22 for Real Madrid. After the deal was announced, he posted a video on his Twitter page that showed him putting on his new jersey for the first time. And in English and Spanish, Rudiger wrote, What a special day for me and for my whole family. Already after one day, I realized what a big, big club this is. Thanks for the warm welcome. And he added, I'm more motivated than ever. Spain's La Liga campaign begins with a season opener on August 12th. Antonio Rudiger is set to make his Real Madrid debut on the pitch at Almeria on August 14th. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Earlier this year, another VOA colleague, Peter Cloty, had a chance to talk with Antonio Rudiger after the star defender was named a brand global Sierra Leone football ambassador. The ceremony took place in Sierra Leone's capital, Freetown, and Peter asked Antonio Rudiger about receiving the honor. Yeah, the experience was um, amazing, amazing, amazing reception. I didn't expect that, to be honest, you know, because, uh, yeah, like, uh, I just don't expect that because for me, myself, I am just a normal person like like anybody, you know, and, uh, yeah, I was very amazed and uh, also, like, the people on the ground, like, it was, it was fantastic, it was fantastic, and then the launching of the foundation, the meeting with the president, like, it was, it was overall, like, wow, like, crazy. Before we go to the launch of your foundation, you met the president. The president was happy about the contributions you've made to Sierra Leone and the people. Uh, he said the people watch you all the time, wishing you and pray for you. Now you have become the sports ambassador for Sierra Leone. Talk to me about the experience. No, I think this is a, this is a huge. This is something very huge because um, a president to say such meaningful words to a person. This is like. A, 
what can you wish for more? Like uh, at the end of the day, like this is a, this is a big, big uh, honor and um, to receive uh, this type of role that I received, uh, the sports ambassador, this is also something huge. So it shows that helping is, uh, is very good. So let's talk about the launch of your foundation in Sierra Leone. Talk to me about it. It was our idea for me and my team to do the first launching of the foundation, I think it would have a bigger impact if you do it on the ground in Sierra Leone. Launching the foundation, it's to me personally very important because it's not a one-man show. This is what I want to make very clear. It's not a one-man show. I don't want to come out there as a, as a hero or something like this. No, I want people to join and um, because I think with the more we are, the more we can, the more we can create. This is what I believe in. And uh, obviously on the foundation itself, I have four very important uh, st stuff that I that we are focusing on. That's number one, sports education and in general education. <laughs> number two is sports infrastructure. Number three, sports inclusivity. And uh, the fourth one is uh, uh, literacy. This right. is four key points we are looking at. Let's take them one after the other. You talked about education in general uh, and then sports education. Why that? Why are you so passionate about that? I strongly believe um, that education is is big key because for me, the mindset, the head is the strongest weapon a human being have. So that's why it's to me very important. Unfortunately, people in the past, because we had the civil war and everything, so people some people over there, we have to say it in real talk, are not well educated, cannot read, cannot uh, write, or cannot speak proper English. So this is a very important thing that because the youth is our future. So that's why it's very, very important to, yeah, to teach them. Talking about literacy, language and digital and numeracy for the, especially the disabled and the vulnerable children. Why that? It's not only about that, it's also women. That's also, yeah. that's also going to gender. It's uh, because I saw, I went, for example, I went there to, to watch a game of amputees playing. You see the love, you see the love they have, the passion they have, but unfortunately they have one arm less or one leg less, but still there's love for the game. So you have to always get them involved and so you don't put them as outst outstanders. No, they also can be very, very important. And uh, yeah, that's why. You you went there, you looked at some games about the disabled people playing. In sports infrastructure uh, is developing, let's put it that way. Um, how will your foundation help improve upon that? Oh, it's like, it's, it's like not only this, like how this comes to sports infrastructure. Like if they have better pitches, better coaches, and people who really actually, who actually like care about them for real, we can go ahead and that's why it's very important to have first of all the structure then to have the people who show them people who have experience who teaches them and uh, because that's what they need and uh, yeah but there is like how i said you have to work together find together uh, like uh, a solution will you have a chance of taking some of your colleague soccer players to go help with you know the work that your foundation is doing for sure, like uh, I, I'm, I'm very sure because uh, at the end of the day, like I have good friends in football who are who are eager to help. I already did uh, a thing without even the foundation, like with uh, Mesut Ozil was involved and Golo Kante was involved. 
So I think uh, I, I did. I think uh, I hope. Let's say like this. I hope they join definitely. The, the president was talking about the um, mask campaign, you know, to protect the people against the uh, COVID and you know restrict the spreading of the disease and all that. What motivated you to get into it before even your foundation was launched? Yeah, it's just this. It's just in general because it was it was like in Europe. COVID hit very hard and uh, you just hear people are dying and uh, and stuff like this. And then, yeah, you think back, my parents are there and uh, not only my parents, just the whole population. I, I, I For me, I just thought, because I'm not a doctor, I'm not, uh, this is not my, my area, but you just hear people are dying. So I was afraid that something like Ebola is, uh, you know, like coming again and stuff like this. And so I said, like, if there's any chance I can help him, yeah, that was my motivation. So where do you see your foundation in Sierra Leone within the next five years? Ooh, at the end of the day, like, you never know, you never know what happens because at the end of the day, like, I would, like, my personal goal, what we want to achieve is uh, definitely to improve in, in lots of as aspects. Education is more like it takes a long time to be honest, that, that's that's not from today to, to tomorrow. But what I want to really achieve very early is the structure, like uh, in the infrastructure. There I want to I want to go because that's obviously that's what people see because we all know you're African too, so you know the African man believes in what he see. When you interacted with the children in Sierra Leone, uh, you even went to watch a soccer match where some of the disabled were, were playing. What was your message to them? Well, my message to them is that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they think maybe nobody sees them, but that's what I wanted to com uh, confirm that there's actually people who care about, about them. This was my message. With you becoming the sports ambassador, uh, global sports ambassador for Sierra Leone, what will you want to achieve with this new role? With this new role to achieve, like, um, to, show, to show a different, different type of country. Because to be honest, um, we, we we mostly been in the dark light. And this is what I want to, I don't want that anymore. I just don't want that because yes, like, yeah, we've been through civil war, we had Ebola, but we survived. We are still there. So I don't want people to look up on us. No, I want to see, I want people to see us as equal. That's what I want. Before you go, Antonio, um, what will be your message to the people of Sierra Leone? What should be their expectations for your foundation going forward yeah first of all like uh, at the end of the day what i want to tell all the people is as i said before it's not a one-man show definitely not and uh, i want that's why i did the uh, foundation in sierra leone to connect with the people and uh, yeah and uh, we have to put ourselves in a role we have to be role models not only not only myself and that's why i launched it there so to have people on board so we can grow together and uh, yeah, first of all, but the most important thing is like, I want to put my country in the limelight. I want to put my country up there. And, uh, but what people should know, this doesn't happen through day and night. It's a long process and I believe in the process and uh, I'm, I am 100% like ready to go that way. That's Real Madrid defender Antonio Rudiger. And he spoke with my VOA colleague, Peter Cloti from London. And that interview originally aired on The Voice of America in early February. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, 
and you're listening to the sunny side of sports, follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. Like to stay on top of new music trends, breakout artists, new releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. A Russian judge has convicted and sentenced American basketball star Brittany Griner to nine and a half years in prison in her drug trial. The AP Sagar Magani reports. Griner had told the court she made an honest mistake in having cannabis oil at Moscow's airport. I've never meant to break any laws here. And she showed little emotion as the judge sentenced her to prison. This is a miscarriage of justice. U.S. Embassy official Elizabeth Rood says the Biden administration will keep working to free Griner. President Biden's national security team and the entire American government remain committed to bringing Ms. Griner home safely to her family, friends, and loved ones. President Biden calls the outcome unacceptable and urges Russia to immediately release Griner after a politically charged trial, which could lead to a prisoner exchange. Sagar Magani, Washington. Brittany Griner's head coach on the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury team is Vanessa Nygaard. She says with Griner now convicted, maybe negotiations on a deal with Russia can proceed. We feel strongly that uh, the Biden administration is going to continue to work hard. They, they've done great work. Uh, we met with the officials that are working directly with BG's case. Um, and, you know, this is a step in the process. We were aware this day would come, that Russia wanted to get through their their legal process and complete that before a trade would occur. And so hopefully now a trade will occur. And we're extremely hopeful that she'll be home soon. And that this is, even though it feels extremely heavy today, that maybe it's a step in the right direction for us. Brittany Griner's WNBA team, the Phoenix Mercury, lost on Thursday night to the host, Connecticut's son, 77 to 64. A moment of silence was held at the game in support of Griner. Connecticut player Odyssey Sims says she was shocked and saddened by the judge's ruling in Moscow. It's very hard to watch. Um, I watched a little bit. I couldn't stand to see her behind the bars. Um, she was talking. It was a little much for me. Um, the sentence is out of, I, I don't even know what to say about the sentence. Um, unheard of, um, unbelievable. I feel like it's just unreal. Um, but I hope that uh, President Biden and everyone um, and the White House can do whatever they need to do to get her out. You know, I just want her home. Um, you know, it's my teammate. I play with her at Baylor. So um, my hearts are with her, her family, her wife. 
um, her loved ones, um, whatever we need to do to get her home. You know, this is a very unfortunate situation for her to be in. Um, but those who love her, everyone in the league is pouring their hearts out right now. So we're just going to keep praying and hope that um, she gets home very, very soon. That's Odyssey Sims, a guard for the Connecticut Sun in the Women's National Basketball Association, commenting on the Brittany Griner case. A female Taekwondo athlete who was evacuated from Afghanistan in November is now training with the French team for the 2024 Paris Olympics. VOA Sirwan Kejo tells us more. 20-year-old Marzia Hamidi is one of many Afghans who fled the Taliban last year. She's been living in Paris since December where she has joined the refugee Olympic team for the 2024 Paris Games, an initiative launched by the International Olympic Committee in response to the global refugee crisis. Separately, the French national taekwondo team has allowed Hamidi to train with them. Uh, I'm training every day two times, three times to go to competition in future and to be a proud to Afghanistan. Born to an Afghan refugee family in Iran, Hamidi started taekwondo at the age of 15. In 2019, she returned to Afghanistan and joined the Afghan national team. She earned several gold medals in the under 57 kilogram category in regional tournaments. Hamidi's dream was to continue representing Afghanistan in international competitions, but she's not willing to do so for the Taliban. Never for Taliban, never. I, do, uh, the, I, I never raised the flag of Taliban in competition, of course, but I don't know if I can raise the flag of Afghanistan or no. And sometimes it, it makes me sad because it was my... It was, it was my, in my dream to, in competition, raise the flag of Afghanistan and the world see, yes, uh, Afghan women can do everything they want. Hamidi is opposed to the idea for the international community recognizing the Taliban. And she says she will never return to Afghanistan as long as the Taliban are in power. I never accept Taliban and uh, because they are for me, it's a group of terrorists and they kill a lot of women the name of jihad in 20 years. Hamidi is determined to continue with her passion. For now, that means participating in the games as part of the refugee Olympic team. Sirwan Kejo, VOA News. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Following Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's trip to Africa, senior U.S. officials plan to set the record straight. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield and Secretary of State Antony Blinken travel to Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, the DRC, and South Africa to counter Moscow's distorted narrative and renew ties with the continent. That's Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. I'm Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. We're heading into the final weekend of action at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. South Africa has been the top performing African team in Birmingham. As of 1300 UTC GMT Friday, Team South Africa had tallied 22 medals Seven gold, seven silver, and eight bronze. Now, most of South Africa's medals have come in swimming. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to three South African swimmers 
who have made a big splash at the Commonwealth Games. Peter Kutza won a gold medal in the men's 100 meters backstroke. And Peter also got a silver in the 50 meter backstroke and a bronze in the 200 meters backstroke. So Peter has been South Africa's most successful swimmer at the Commonwealth Games. Tatjana Schoonmacher, the reigning Olympic champion in the women's 200 meters breaststroke, won another gold at that distance in Birmingham. Tatjana also won a silver in the 100 meters breaststroke. And her South African teammate, Laura Von Niekerk, won two gold medals in the swimming pool in the 50-meter and 100-meter breaststroke events. Team Nigeria has won 13 medals at the Commonwealth Games, five gold, three silver, and five bronze. Now, most of Nigeria's medals have come in weightlifting. Uganda has won two gold medals in Birmingham. Jacob Kiplimo won the men's 10,000 meters final, and Victor Kiplingat won the men's marathon. Other gold medal winners from Africa in Birmingham include Kenyan sprinter Ferdinand Omanyala in the men's 100 meters and Cameroonian weightlifter Ngaja Nyabeyu in the men's 109-kilogram division. Hi, guys. I'm Ferdinand Omanyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. In this sunny side of sports flashback from 2021, newly crowned Commonwealth Games 100 meters champion Ferdinand Omanyala spoke with Prince Nesta about his athletics career. Um, Ferdinand Omanyala, the African record holder in 100 meters and the eighth fastest man ever in 100 meters. Wow, wow, that's so huge, and I like the way you say it with confidence. I earned it. <laughs> oh, man, man, we are so proud of you, and congratulations, you, such a great feat to achieve. What does it take to be eighth fastest man in 100 meters in the world and Africa's fastest man? Is this naturally born talent, or what, what does it take? Yeah, of course, of course the talent is there, but then there's, no, there's nothing you can, you can achieve without hard work and without patience and without the discipline that it deserves. I've, I've been in this sport for five years, and it has just paid this year. I started, in, I started running in 2016, so it's been building up of a lot of things, sleepless nights, going home late, pain, injuries, but then it was just building me up towards this season. So it's been hard work, discipline, consistency, and a lot of sacrifice in between, plus talent now. Absolutely. What a terrific combination. Tell me, when you broke the African record and became Africa's fastest man in the 100-meter hits, what was going through your mind at that particular time? At first, I was shocked because, but I I was expecting it. You know, before I ran races, I always run it virtually in my head. I always think about races before I run them. So I had already thought about a 9-7. So when I looked up the screen and I saw the 9.7, at first it hit me, it was the first time. And then I was asking if it's wind aided because, you know, if you can run a fast time, you can run a fast time and then you're told that it's wind aided. So that was the first question I asked. But then it was a legal win. 
and then the excitement now started following up and you know it it, it happens and then the, the body gets shocked and then it starts embracing it so it took time like a week for me to embrace it but it was excitement and excitement and excitement tell us a little bit about your background finding and where you come from you know where you went to school your family tell us a little bit about yourself i was born in a place called vihiga uh, in western but I was, I was not raised there because we moved from there to bungoma county a place called tongaren and now there's where i grew up i, I studied around there a primary school called St. Erastas Preparatory. And then I, I passed my class eight. I joined high school level in French school, Kamsinga. And then I graduated. I, I passed again the high school and then I came to Nairobi. For, uh, I, I, I'm now a student of, uh, I'm pursuing Bachelor of Science in Chemistry in University of Nairobi, Chiromo Campus. So I am currently in. So that's basically my education background. Family background, I was born in a family of seven, including parents, four siblings, both are all, all, all are brothers. <laughs> we are five brothers in our, in our family, and then father and dad. So they are, they are one of the greatest support systems that I have had since I was a young kid, and uh, as far as my career is concerned. That's Africa's fastest man, Ferdinand Omanyala, the Commonwealth Games 100 meters champion, and he was talking with Prince Nesta. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And that wraps up the August 5th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in and have a nice weekend. I'm VOA Sunny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.